0: I believe that our greatest thing that we can ever do for anybody is work on ourselves. Yes. And at the same time, zoom out and be like, I am exactly who I am for a reason.
1: What's up, babe? Welcome to Boldly Courageous, a podcast created for you, the ambitious woman who is ready to take action and step fully into the life you've always dreamed of. I'm your host, Melissa Martin, and each week I will be your virtual wingwoman as you gain the tools and confidence to face your fears head on. The time is now, and this is your permission slip to live your boldly courageous life. Are you ready, babe? Let's do this. Welcome back to the Boldly Courageous podcast. I am so grateful that you are here with me today. And my guest today and I have a very interesting story in terms of how we met. So my guest today is Dr. Samarpan Anand Bushalter, and he is a doctor of chiropractic. And we met at an airport. I was flying into LA and he was as well. And I had my dog with me and a big suitcase and we were getting ready to get onto one of those buses that takes you to the Uber stand. And he asked me if I needed help with my luggage. And if you've been here for a little while in the boldly courageous community, you know how big I am on the power of abundance and being open to receive. And quite honestly, for me, it was one of those moments where I almost said no. And I checked myself and I was like, here is an able human that is offering to support me as I'm struggling to carry this suitcase that probably weighs As much as I do, because let's be serious. I don't pack light and my dog and all the things. And I just said, yes, thank you. And I was so open to receive support from him. And we sat next to each other on the bus ride from LAX to the little Uber stand, which was probably maybe an eight or 10 minute bus ride. And we had one of the most amazing conversations. Like we just dropped in so deeply and we were so present with one another talking about life and transformation. He had just finished um, his school of chiropractic and he was celebrating things. And I was going through some transitions. And so it was just a very beautiful conversation. And this was, I don't even remember when 2019, maybe, Um, maybe 2020. I honestly can't remember. And anyway, so we stayed in touch through social media, and I had invited him onto my podcast. And we just weren't able to find times that worked. He'd been traveling a lot in Brazil, and then I had been traveling a lot. And I got a text message the other night from him saying, "Hey, I know this is a strange request, but my flight to Brazil got pushed back until the following day. I'm staying in Atlanta for the night. How about we record that podcast episode in person?" And I was like, "Yes, absolutely." So he came over to my apartment and we recorded this episode in person. And it's only, I, I've only done this a handful of times, once with one of my clients, once with um, a couple girlfriends in Tulum, where we've actually been able to like sit face to face and it's such a powerful dynamic. And I think you'll hear in this episode, just the beautiful, chemistry that people can have when they really drop in and start talking about things that are present and things that really matter to them. And in this episode, you will hear a story about what it looks like to trust your intuition and follow the intuition, even when it doesn't make sense, even when you feel like life has set you up in one way and Dr. Samarpan's journey to working with tribes and indigenous people in Brazil and the work that he's doing in the world. This is a very important episode, and it really will help you open your eyes to how you can take responsibility for yourself and the impact that you create in the world, because ultimately it starts with us, right? And it's not about how you spend your money or how you give, but more about how you be in every single moment of the day. So this episode is filled with so much beautiful heart centered wisdom and knowledge and incredible, credible story. Dr. Samarpan Anand Bouchalter is a chiropractor Virgil Strang Philosophy Award winner, 500 hour certified yoga teacher, and the creator of the Vishva Shanti Yoga Retreats, which is an adventure based retreat organization working to protect and restore the Amazon rainforest. He partners with and supports indigenous peoples and manifests peace in the world through yogic immersion in the natural world by initiating social and environmental justice movements. He completed his 200-hour yoga teacher training in Hatha Yoga in Bali, Indonesia, and his 300-hour Akhanand Yoga training in the birthplace of yoga in the Himalayas in India before going on to pursue his doctorate in chiropractic and creating his program, Power of Life Yoga that he taught in prisons to adult and juvenile inmates. His full evolutional journey began after breaking his back twice when he was 16 years old from competitive mixed martial arts and barely surviving a near-death experience at the age of 18. After over a decade of chronic debilitating pain, he combined his regular chiropractic regimen with the practice of yoga and truly began to heal on every single level, thus leading him to create Cairo Yoga, the practice in which healing and movement unite. He is now living deep in the Brazilian Amazon rainforest, working with isolated indigenous tribes to reform their healthcare systems in a way that gives them more sovereignty and more autonomy. Join him for one of his upcoming yoga and indigenous cultural immersion retreats by direct messaging him via Instagram or via the Shanti retreats website. You're going to hear more about the retreat and how powerful it is in the work that he is doing in the rainforest when we dive into the episode. So let's jump in. Okay, Doctor Samarvan, I'm so excited for this conversation, and I'm so grateful that the universe aligned because we've been trying to like sit down and record this podcast for maybe a year and a half, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. I shared a little bit in the intro about how we met in the airport and all that stuff, and I've been watching your journey and just following you along. And the universe conspired to have you here <laughs> in Atlanta on a delay to Brazil, which I know that we'll get into. But I'm just so grateful for you being here. So thank you.
0: Thank you. It's an honor. And. Uh... Find timing as usual. So to be <laughs> delayed here is really just a, a nice little side tour to be able to connect. So thank yeah. you for the opportunity.
1: Oh, you're welcome. Okay. So I start every interview off with the exact same question. And that is, what is one boldly courageous thing you've done recently? Wow. Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Surprise.
0: It's uh, changed my whole life. Mm-hmm. I just um, I just sold all my stuff and moved out of my place in LA and turned down a job offer. That would have guaranteed me a pretty successful chiropractic career and all of it in order to follow my soul's calling down in the Amazon rainforest to be able to be of service to the Amazon rainforest and the indigenous people and be able to lead immersive experiences down there for people.
1: Wow. That's, and when did that happen?
0: Like, like was a, this like a
1: couple of weeks ago or was this?
0: Yeah, I just got back two months ago. And in the past two months, I've flown across the country three different times in order to move out of my place, sell my stuff, meet up with mentors of mine to get advice. And um, from my old chiropractic school, get closure, you know, have some fun while I did it. And um, yeah, but basically I, I sold all my belongings and I'm applying for visas and, you know, I'm on my way. Yeah. to the rainforest right now oh to my continue my work so.
1: this is amazing so we hear these stories all the time like this is the quintessential like I sold everything
0: and I moved <laughs> right yeah. and
1: I just went to another country but <clears throat> how do you how do you like come to this decision right like what was the roadmap kind of leading up to this because this is two very distinctly different paths right becoming a doctor of chiropractic and we'll get into like your story a little bit is no easy task Right. And so it sounds like you were on this path and you had this amazing opportunity that a lot of people would probably say is the smart choice, right? I'm using air quotes, but you're taking this completely different path. So what was that process like for you? Like how did you come to this decision? Yeah.
0: Well, I'll give just a little bit of a backstory because it sounds like I just went to Brazil and was just like, Oh my gosh, (laughs) this is happening. (laughs) Which like to some degree is the case, just emotionally speaking. But I've been working in Brazil for around six years now, and it all started because um, my former life, which is still part of my life in different ways, is um, I was a professional international event manager, and so I was working with international competitions, like with surfing, and, um, and then it transformed into different cultural events, and then it transformed in its highest expression with the World Indigenous Games. And, um, it was the first ever Olympic games for all the tribes of the world. Wow. Yeah. So, I didn't even know
1: that existed. Yeah. so either. amazing.
0: Yeah. I was doing like research <laughs> for my final thesis in my, in my degree and I stumbled upon it. And, um, I just, there was this, like, you know, there's those moments where your soul lights up or yes. something is just in front of you divinely. And I applied to work it. I was the only, uh, American to do so and they wanted me to be a translator. When At that moment, I did not speak any Portuguese, and so I had to learn Portuguese within three weeks to (laughs) pretend I was good enough to be a translator and personal assistant to the Native American delegation and the Maori people of New Zealand. And so um, that was the, the first invitation to be able to drop into Brazil and into the indigenous cultures all at once. And there was over um, I believe 32 different tribes from all over the world, and then there was 24 tribes from the Amazon there, mm-hmm. and um, over 2,000 different athletes, and it was mostly focused on the culture, which really essentially is what the Olympics was, and, and its high expression is. And um, through that experience, I got connected with um, this girl who opened the doors for me to go live with a tribe in the Amazon in Shingu, um, called the Iwalapachi people. And so I got to live with them for a few weeks. And then I got to spend time in the Amazon rainforest in a different part where I got connected to my friends at Amazon Emotions. And as a family, um, Vanessa Marino and her children, um, they all live out there and they offer immersive experiences into the Amazon rainforest, tree climbing and, you know, going and meeting with tribes and going to waterfalls, climbing mountains, doing all the stuff. So I got connected to them by being a client during that first visit. And we just connected so strongly that it has been a relationship that's continued to deepen over the past few years. And so that relationship is, that's where I keep going back to. Those are the people that I lead my yoga and indigenous cultural immersion retreats with now. And then that's who I went to visit for my sabbatical to so go stay with them. And um, during that process, I um, had time to process you know, this, uh, it's a very interesting time to become a doctor, not just to be a doctor, but I was about to finish my clinical rounds. And in the midst of that is when the pandemic hit. Mm. So the whole industry of of healthcare shifted right before I became a doctor, Mm. I had the opportunity to dive deep into my practices and really knock out a lot of board exams within a few weeks and just like kind of just put everything on fast forward as far as just like the normal timelines Mm -hmm. and then through that go down to LA do my residency and try to do whatever I could to just get that process complete Mm -hmm. and so through that like you know we all have experienced a tremendous amount of emotional challenges and (laughs) opportunities to like you know drop in deeper with ourselves Mm -hmm. and it all hit me when I got down there and, um, there's just something about the force that changes you mm-hmm. like it reminds you of your humanity mm. and I haven't cried in like ten years, and now I'm like crying again, and it's beautiful. Mm.
1: yeah, I feel that I feel the um intensity of just watching through your stories and seeing some of the things that you've the journey that you've been on, and I know for me, like um <coughs> we were just talking about this beforehand, like being here in the city, it's very stimulating and just the, the vibration of the forest and the trees and the nature, like what it does for my soul. And I'm imagining like the wisdom of the trees and the Amazon, like how old these plants are and these trees and the frequency and the vibration, because you're so far removed from all the things that keep us disconnected from our bodies and more connected to our brains. Right. Mm-hmm. But is really the opposite of how we, how we truly operate. So I can imagine the intensity of the vibration and the frequency and the love, and just everything that would allow you to completely unlock if you are open to it. So, so you were just so we're clear so you were finishing your residency in LA, you flew to Brazil, and then the world shut down. So, you were there, you've been there in the jungle, <laughs> you've been in the jungle <laughs> for a, a year
0: well oh, so actually, I finished my residency at the end of this past year, and then I went down there to uh in January so I've been traveling back and forth from there, but basically, this last trip that I'm speaking about was mm-hmm. January till um the very beginning of March and so um yeah, it was two months of what well, was supposed to be three months, and then I cut it short because of what happened while I was there mm-hmm. and so there was a lot of things that happened while I was there, but to like to make it as relevant to what your question was, is that um, this tribe called the Yanomami people reached out to us. Um, my friends in Amazon Emotions are one of two ecotourism providers that have been selected by the government and by the Yanomami people to represent them as their ecotourism providers, because at this point, that is the actual way to dive into it conservation
1: mm-hmm. because these yes.
0: these tribes have been non-consensually forced into this realm mm-hmm. where they are their lands are being invaded. There's there's gold miners all throughout that region upwelling and like bringing all this mercury into the water. The government's on their edge, like there's the church out there trying to convert them. There's like all these forces that have non-consensually imposed themselves on these people who are living completely fine wildlife for the past tens of thousands of years. And now they are finding themselves in the position of needing to find their autonomy and their sovereignty in this system that they didn't want to be a part of in the first place. Right. And ecotourism is the un- it's a, an unfortunate route, right, as far as I'm concerned that it has to go, because obviously we would just somehow figure out some way to leave them alone. That would be the most ideal. but they have been forced into this, so now the way that we protect their land is by giving it value and giving what matters value which is their culture. Right. And that's like essentially what ecotourism has become with these indigenous tribes. It's their way to find their value through their autonomy, through who they are and being able to use that system to validate their existence, while like while creating a sustainable means of being able to create income and opportunities for themselves and just like have some footing in the world without being like just pushed around. Right. And if their land is like their valuable resource that is allowing ecotourism to happen, then hopefully that means the land will be protected and their culture in the process. So Mm -hmm. my friends are leading and, and refining the expedition to the Garipo, which is the tallest mountain in Brazil, which is on their land. Mm. So the project initially started with Vanessa um, being one of those providers that is going to be leading those excursions to the top of this mountain. Okay. So it's like, and it's a very spiritual place for them. Like it's, it's the, the story is very long, but basically it was, they were guided to this mountain mm. and um, they live in the valley around it called Maturacá. And so there's around 3,000 people in this particular community, but there's 20,000 Yanomami all over the region. And uh, they've been living, you know, very traditional lives for thousands of years. And so whenever they have been forced into this system, there's a lot of things that have happened. Like So now because of the mercury poisoning in the water, because of the gold mines, they're dealing with mercury poisoning. Mm. And because their lands are being shrunk down and they are finding it's harder to be nomadic like they were, they're now becoming more sedentary and agriculturally based, Mm. which is shifting the way that their bodies are reacting to the way that they're eating, the way that they're sustaining themselves, and just their overall activity. And there's malnutrition. There's several different things that have crept into and what never has been right. in their culture. But it is because now they're facing different situations that have been imposed upon them. Right. So whenever all these things were happening, they recognized what Vanessa's role with them, with them was. Um, I had offered the opportunity to possibly film a documentary to bring awareness of what was going on. Mm-hmm. And through that offering... They wanted to meet me, and so while I was in the midst of being locked down in the rainforest, they were like, "We want the doctor to write us an official letter of of, like inviting us to your home." And like, what an honor! Yeah, (laughs) I'm like, wow. (laughs) Yeah, and it was wild because like a few weeks prior to this, I had the opportunity to sit with some um, some medicines that were pretty insightful, and I was shown that this was going to happen, and Mm so. I didn't believe that until I literally got messaged by the president of a tribe that was like, we would like to meet you. So mm-hmm. they, we invited them, they showed up and through our week long stay with each other, getting to dive in deep and understanding the nature of what their actual needs are. Right. Right? Cause I'm not in any way in a position to impose anything. Right. I'm just right. there to listen. They were like, you know, that's cool that you want to make a documentary and all, but, um, and we want to do that. But what we really need is help with our healthcare. And so that's where they extended the invitation for me to participate in helping reform their healthcare system by studying under their shamans to understand their actual system that is in existence. So that way I can create a complementary system that is actually of use to them and is practical. Because it doesn't make sense for me to try to teach them, like I'm not in the position either way, but you know, try to inform them how to perform brain surgery when there's like, you know, there's no hospitals anywhere around there. There's these medical outposts. And so we're, we're just still continuing to learn what that's gonna look like. Because wow. obviously it just takes a lot of deep listening and, and just really respect because they have a system and it's been keeping them healthy for thousands of years. Right. So I, I have a feeling there's some elephants in the room we can address through just what we've already experienced as a culture from when we shifted from tribalism mm-hmm. into agricultural into to the, the system that we have now.
1: Mm-hmm
0: be able to bring that awareness to how they can shift just a few things to make big differences and then whatever else we can turn into some sort of educational program for them. I mean, so it's, it wasn't even a choice for you. It's like, how could you even say no
1: to that when you had like, to go back to your earlier point of you, you had this opportunity here for a very comfortable successful doctor career here in the u.s and then this other opportunity comes your way and you're in a plant ceremony and you get this download or this message of your your purpose and your soul's mission and now you're in the the jungle with an indigenous tribe and they're asking you to help them like how do you even say no to that you cannot say no to that right because it's bigger than you it's so much bigger than you that's so beautiful so i'm curious because this was something that was coming up for me is like this idea of eco tourism, Mm -hmm. right? So I'll share with you. I had this, it's not the same, but I had this experience recently when I was in Tulum. So I went to Tulum back in September and it was still very quiet there. There wasn't a lot of tourism at that point. And I had never been to a third world country before. And even Tulum doesn't feel like third world at all. Like if, I mean, compared to where you were in the jungle, I'm sure it like LA, basically, the LA of Mexico, <laughs> sure. and I had this moment of like kind of feeling guilty being there because I felt like there was this deep spiritual energy there of the Mayan people, and then you have like consumerism and Americanism and tourism, and it and it. I had a hard time kind of navigating it, and when I went back again more recently, it was way worse. And it to me, it felt like I want to go and support the people. And, um, like I had a couple of conversations with some friends that are from the area and I was like, do the people that live here, like the fact that we're here and it, it helps their families. It brings in money, but on the other side of it, like what it's doing to the environment and the texture of the culture and the, and the special, like, I don't know. I just I really had a hard time navigating that. Sure. And so you brought up this idea of ecotourism, mm-hmm. right? And I feel like like where is the line, right? Between someone needing to see this side of the world so that they can understand and make change and but also like the downside of that of now you're exposing these tribes to potential harm and potential risk because sure. like how do you know the person that's coming on these tours what their intention is and it doesn't end up in more exploitation
0: sure that's really valid and um i appreciate the fact that you're able to reflect on that in tulum because it's been like tulum madness for like a few months now yeah. or, like, whatever it's yeah especially in la everyone was like i'm going to Tulum. I to i gotta bella are you ready and just like <laughs> yes. in jungle. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah yeah um, yeah yeah i mean this is and this is probably not the best metaphor, but it's just what came to mind is like, um, you know, whenever a dog like takes a crap on your carpet, <laughs> you know, yeah. like sometimes you kind of have to get them and like rub their nose in it and be like, you should have done do that. that. Don't right. crap on the carpet, please. Like ever again, you know, we've crapped all over our carpet, you know, mm. all over the world. And it's not in a sense like a punitive thing, which is what the dog knows thing situation was, but really my intention in the retreats that I lead is to bring people back to awareness with what they're actually doing. Mm-hmm. You know, there is such an emotional disconnect from our actions. Mm-hmm. Like whenever you use a straw and then you throw it in your trash can, like you're not there whenever someone like, you know, it gets lodged in the face of a sea turtle or like, right. you're not there. And it's so far removed from you. And we are also bombarded by just like tales of misery all over the world, like on our phones, that like we have become numb. And so that's really what the forest does to you is it brings back your sensitivity. Right. And also if you have a deep emotional connection with the land and you are welcomed by the actual people of that land and realize that they're not just historical figures and like or some Disney movie that like, you know, some sort of pocahontas story that was romanticized but was long gone like these people exist right and they're actually they've been existing for a long time and they've been here and we're everywhere up until there was a massive genocide that was placed upon them and it's still happening people think that colon- like colonialism and imperialism is over yet we're still doing things like the dakota pipeline there's still so many instances all over south america especially within brazil that people are actually going out with mercenaries, killing these indigenous people and taking their lands. And that won't hit you until you're there. And luckily we've been able to make really strategic partnerships. Our partners are grounded in ecotourism and, and like actual conservation. And so there are people out there doing good work. And so there is this fine line of like, no matter what we do, we've already crapped on the carpet. <laughs> so we have an opportunity to at least educate mm. the people taking these dumps on the carpet <laughs> to like possibly find another place for them to do it or a way right. that is more sustainable or whatever. Because, like, from my experiences that I lead, it's yoga which is immersing you every single day in a different chakra, a different element. And it's an immersive experience in the jungle with Mm -hmm. our indigenous guides that we only hire indigenous people to work with us in that way. So there is an educational component is huge to ecotourism because if you don't educate, then it's just tourism.
1: Right, right.
0: Yeah, Yeah. And if they don't contribute something of value to leave the way, like the place that they were at better than when they found it, then it's still tourism. Yes. So with our retreats, After you go through this this immersive experience of diving into yourself through philosophical inquiry, Mm -hmm. through these yogic immersions, through the experiences with intimately relating with these different indigenous peoples, then at the very end, you plant a tree. And before you leave, you have left the rainforest better than when you found it. You have participated in hopefully a healing of that relationship with from the Western world to the indigenous people Mm -hmm. because they, we are at a place of having to come to some sort of reconciliation with ourselves and them and be able to contribute to a new narrative that we're writing, which is one of respect and reverence and sustainability. Mm -hmm. Because if we're going to initiate this new way of traveling, because we've all been shut down, if we were going to like commence now, let's go back to traveling. Like if we can, ground ourselves in these principles before mm-hmm. we just like buy our tickets to tulum or go <laughs> off to like wherever it is right you can might you might be able to find that opportunity where you you're going to invest in those programs in those places that are doing that in those locations so that way the resources go where they're needed to mm-hmm. and we can actually start the the process of healing
1: I love that you brought up the idea of like where the resources go, right? Because something that I'm super passionate about is educating people on the frequency of money, that it's a vibration and it's an energy and it, and it amplifies whatever underlying frequency you place on it. So if you're somebody who is re- rooted in fear and lack and scarcity and guilt and shame and all these things, and that's the way that you operate, the more you add money on top of that, the more that frequency is magnified when you use your money to purchase or to buy or to do whatever. Sure. And so taking this idea of like, my belief is that everyone should be a, like, have a responsibility to generate wealth because what you can do with that wealth is create more impact and you have more opportunity to give or to build or to create foundations and you know provide resources and things like that so as i'm listening to you talk i'm thinking about what you're saying about leaving the land better than how you found it and kind of like i think that was my experience in tulum right of like i feel like i'm taking but i'm not giving and so how can i give and in what ways can i support you know the local tribes or this or that so i would love for you to share like how do we walk this backwards right? So how do we, to kind of go back to your analogy with the straw, right? How do we take the decisions that we're making today in our everyday lives, our buying power, our eating power, our connection power, and connect the dots forward to how it's actually impacting these tribes? Because I know it does, right? Like the things that we do today here in our country impact the the world globally. So what, what would be some things that we can be doing today purchases or the way that we, you know, show up in the world that actually would have a, a give back or a way to actually give to the land without actually being there. Does that make no, sense? Yeah, no, totally. Yeah.
0: Before we even think about all the the strategies and the buying and the whatnot, I greatly encourage everyone to take responsibility for their inner world. because yes. Ultimately our inner pollution is reflected into the world as external pollution. Like that's mm. where it starts. If, like the same thing with world peace world peace is just a collective of everyone being innerly peaceful Mm -hmm. you know it's not like this thing outside of ourselves so if we were to work on ourselves and have practices and rituals and ceremonies that we use every day to bring ourselves into a place where we're actually grounded in our truth and we're sensitizing ourselves back to how our vibration impacts the world around us, mm-hmm. then we can start to see how we can first just change the little sphere around us. Right. Because if we can't change ourselves, then we can't change anything. And that's where your power is. So people want to get caught up in these macrocosmic ways of like, wait, we have to clear this, and like, and like, I, if I were to sit here and tell everyone to recycle and you know like do this and like buy local, like I would just be a broken record that everyone's heard a thousand times. Right. I would like to bring it back to the personal responsibility of like take responsibility of your inner world. Mm. Are you taking care of yourself? Like where is your self-love practices in your life? Are you grateful? Right. Because honestly, the thing that came through in the most powerful way with all the plant medicine, all the things and all the experiences, is just like gratitude is the language mm. of the future. Mm. Gratitude is what keeps your body healthy It is what brings you into presence and through that presence, the blissful gratefulness of what you have in front of you of not wanting anything to be different than how it is. Even as we're sitting here and (laughs) I'm telling you that it's dire and these situations are so intense and like so destructive and all these things. I still am in a place where I'm sitting as I accept this as it is. Mm. I surrender to how it is because ultimately it is perfect, Mm. you know, and it's, There's that zoomed in and zoomed out approach. You know, I I believe that our greatest thing that we can ever do for anybody is work on ourselves. Yes. And at the same time, zoom out and be like, I am exactly where I am for a reason. You know, there's this like, like my name that was given to me, Samarpan, the full name is Samarpananand. And it was given to me by my teacher in India. And it means the bliss of surrender. Mm -hmm. And that blissful surrender is like the underlying Foundation of where I feel like we can all come from, if we can just surrender to what is, see what's in front of us, and not in any judgmental way, just start to like contribute love to whatever parts of ourselves need to be healed, Mm. and implement these different strategies to continually send love to ourselves. That's how we heal.
1: It's so powerful what you're saying, and I love that you anchored that in. Because it is, it's a free, it comes back to that vibration of gratitude and and love, right? And I think we come into this world as pure love. And at some point we separate from that, right? For whatever reason. And then we spend our whole lives for the most part, trying to come back to that. And um, the tools are free and they're ancient. They're like the original, the original healthcare system, right? right. It is <clears throat> the meditation and the breath work and the gratitude and the being in the forest and, and being in those environments, right? We forget that, that mm-hmm. that's the, the, that's the work and it's free and people will pay hundreds of thousands of dollars for someone to give them a quick fix or tell them what's wrong with them and like try to navigate through it in their brain. But it does come down to what you're saying of just the work. And going inward and self reflecting. And this past year, 2020, was a big year of healing for me. And part of it was really getting into a state of gratitude and acceptance and less control, more flow and love like being in the frequency of love and understanding partnership more completely and realizing like the idea of being in love isn't outside of ourselves, it's actually, I am. In that vibration of love, and you are in that vibration of love, and then together we come together, and we are in the vibration of love together, whether that's romantically or friendships or whatever. And, like, to your point, the more that that happens, the less space you have for lack of compassion, right? I find myself now, like, this is such an interesting experience. I had this experience the other day of like, I was outside and I saw a worm struggling on the ground, and I was like, I was upset about it. And I like picked <laughs> the worm up and I was like, here you go, buddy. And like put him in the soil. Because I think that my, my awareness is coming online a lot more of the impact that we all have and how connected we really are. And like, I see bugs now in my apartment. I'm not quick to kill them anymore because I'm like, this is literally life. Like this yeah. is life in front of my eyes. And I went vegan this year. And the same thing I started to think about the frequency of the food we eat. And like, what do I want to be putting into my body? Sure. Right. And it's, it was, yes, there was some health things, but as I've done that, I've felt my connection to gratitude and love and my compassion and my inability to handle the violence on TV and mainstream media and some of the movies and, and like the stuff that I normally wouldn't wouldn't affect me as much so I do love that you shared that because I think it's so real that people forget that change starts from from within
0: oh yeah and a few things came up first of all thank you for saving that worm
1: <laughs> I
0: Appreciate know I was it. like worm <laughs> oh my god yeah so just to touch on the worm thing mm-hmm. and the bugs like um in the rainforest there's no separation you're you were in their home yeah so like um but there's this quote i saw where it's like um when people find an animal in their home or something like that um there is this like on behalf of whatever animal it is it's like i hope that if i'm ever found in a place where i don't particularly belong that i'm out of place that someone yes. will find me with compassion yes instead of obliterating me so there's yes. that. so on behalf of the worm thank you <laughs> secondly with the suffering you know we um there's so much of it in the world mm-hmm. and ultimately it comes back to this place where we have the opportunity to hold space for and not get stuck in these roles. And like, I think that, and honestly, if you want to follow up on any of this stuff, like to everybody out there, listen to Das because mm-hmm. like Ramdas yes. has been such a pillar in my life for years now, but especially since I got back mm-hmm. because there is there's something about identity that we get trapped in and mm-hmm. we get so fixated on our personalities and all these different things that we lose what was innately us. Mm-hmm. And one of the most powerful experiences that I ever had from plant medicine was the first time I ever sat, I was put back in my mother's womb. Mm. And wow. the first thing that I felt was this transmission of just, there's two things that we innately are. We are safety because the womb is a safe space. It is our first safe space that we'll ever inhabit. And through that safety, we can actually accumulate and store and build up this well of love within ourselves, Mm -hmm. which is our mother's love that pools Mm -hmm. in the womb that creates us. Mm -hmm. So innately, our physical bodies are composed of the the feeling of safety and love. So anytime I feel anything other than that, I know it is just something external to me that is settling on the surface and you can choose to settle like if you're the sky you can identify the clouds but they pass so as things pass and keep coming and going if you can maintain that loving awareness where you can bring yourself back to what you innately are and then use practices that bring you into higher states of awareness of how intimately connected we all are Mm -hmm. because again being in the forest you become sensitive and you're interacting with the elements right i didn't expect that to be a big deal but like every single day you start a fire to create your to cook your food the rains are like so powerful that it's just cleansing to be there the winds carry the fragrances of flowers Mm -hmm. like it's not polluted and then like the earth is so raw like go around your city somewhere see how hard it is to find earth you know like real earth like Under the streets, it's, like, 20 feet deep before you get to it. And, like, you know, everything is just manicured and domesticated. Mm. Like, domestication is what we're obsessed with. It's, like, this desire to control everything and manicure it in a way that somehow feels like we put enough of ourselves on it to where it feels like it's familiar. Right. But what's really familiar is being in an undomesticated environment to where you are fully exposed. And you are at the mercy of an environment that is so much more powerful than you than you can ever fathom. And it will find your soft spots and make them hard. It'll find your hard spots and it'll shatter them. And it'll bring you back to a place where you are humble again. Yeah. Because we've lost our humility. We've imposed ourselves on everything. And we don't even take the time like we were about to get into it earlier about just like these different traditions and the medicines that are coming from them. We don't take the time to even understand the context. We just want to consume. Yes. And like that, that compulsive consumer nature and that imposition of ourselves everywhere we go, where we're not actually listening to where we're going to and mm-hmm. the people there when we arrive. And just like the idea that as long as we're productive, we're doing something good. Yes. It has gotten us where we are now, where we're crapping on the ground.
1: i love this so for the person that's listening that says okay i this is all amazing and like i have a job i have kids i have responsibilities like i have all of this external stuff and they they can't get to or they choose not to get to one of these ego retreats and actually place themselves in in the jungle they can still begin the process and begin the work so where do we start
0: wake up in the morning <laughs> or, oh
1: you need to wake up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. Now, um. so, with my patients mm. or with my students or with anyone that I speak to that wants to be practical, because uh, at some point you just have to be like, okay, well, that's nice, but what now?
1: Right. That's what you're saying. Right. I can't sit in my garden all day. Right. Exactly. Right. Like, I wish I could.
0: Sure. But right, right now
1: I can't. Right. Exactly. So, what do I do?
0: So, I encourage everyone mm. to, whenever you wake up in the morning, before you do anything, before you look at your phone before you speak to your spouse or whatever it is i encourage people just to start with one minute find a place in your house that you can dedicate to this like like this practice and you don't do anything else in that spot ideally it's not not necessary but get out of your bed at least Mm. sit down and breathe Mm. for one minute and just do that that's all it has to start with because people think that like Man, I have to wake up and work out. Mm -hmm. I have to wake up and do this. No, you don't have to do any of that. Mm -hmm. All I ask is that if you can create one minute of presence and see what comes up, because ultimately, like, it's the beginning of meditation. Yes. And people are like, "What? How do I meditate?" Like, this is the analogy I use because I used to teach yoga and meditation in prisons. And like, if I can teach a a murderer who's been in, you know, solitary confinement and has been like through gangs and all this stuff, how to meditate and come to a place where he's peaceful. I'm sure you can too. Yes. So basically our minds are puppies, you know, we have this infinitely expanding in every direction yard for them to run around and just like (laughs) dig up holes and, you know, just like mess up the whole place. Mm -hmm. So, but our minds are not trained because we are so used to just engaging impulsively in all these things. So as a puppy does. So what we do is we get a stake and we hammer it into the ground and that stake is our breath. And we tie the puppy to the stake. And no matter where the puppy runs, we know where the puppy's supposed to be. So you can be breathing, I'm breathing, I'm breathing. Now I'm thinking about my job. Now I'm thinking about work. Now I'm thinking about this. And <sighs> back to my breath. Mm-hmm. And so, oh, okay, I'm breathing, I'm breathing. Oh, now I'm thinking about my relationships and my people and my whatever, my friends. So I go, oh, breath. And so what happens is if, you're, if you actually had a yard and this was happening, your puppy's starting to make a trail where you typically will go whenever you let your mind wander. Mm -hmm. And and by doing so, if you take an aerial view of that, you can mentally map where your thoughts will go. And by doing so, you're creating enough space to where you're not completely identified with it. And that practice of coming back to the breath, Mm -hmm. and the shorter it can take to get back to your breath and the longer you can stay there, you're amplifying the presence within yourself. Mm -hmm. And through that simple practice, if it starts with a minute, that's amazing. If you do 10 seconds, that's better than nothing. But if you do it every day, that's what matters. Consistency is the language of the body. Mm. And this is what I tell all my people that want to get out of pain. Like, because I broke my back twice. I mean, no, this is not fun. (laughs) You know, like I had to go through a lot of healing to get here to where I can sit here comfortably with you. It's consistency. It doesn't matter what you do once a week. It doesn't matter what you do three or five times a week. It's every single day. Because if you grab, if you're a carpenter and you grab a hammer, you know, the first day your hands are going to be sore. The second, third day, your hands going to be sore, but then you're going to start to develop the callus. Your body responds and it's the the language that you use to inform your body of what matters. And people think that meditation is just like some ethereal emotional thing. It's (laughs) structural because there's pathways in your brain. There's neurons that are actually making connections. And you, just like with your callus and your muscles that are being reinforced by consistent stimulus, mm-hmm. if you consistently put energy into peaceful, grateful thoughts, you'll create neuron pathways that are primed and ready. So that way, whenever you have any knee jerk reaction, you don't go down the route that yes. you used to have this groove for, which was, oh no, I'm the victim, I'm this, I'm that. Because you've been priming these other channels so consistently that your neurons are geared towards handling your life in a way that is actually geared for gratitude, yeah. geared for presence, and it's not—it's something that can actually be witnessed on a physical level. So it's not just this idea; it's not just a practice. It is structuring your inner matrix to support yeah. these systems innately. So
1: I was going to say it's like the ultimate, ma- like this is how you hack the matrix, right? Because the matrix is all of the stuff that we are stimulated by, which is, I mean, what sells right. positivity doesn't sell,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, positivity doesn't put us in a state of easily being controlled. Right. Mm-hmm. But what you're, what I hear, what you're saying is that this consistent practice of coming back to the breath reminds you of your truth of what is true. Yeah. And when you have that sense of truth, it's much harder to be manipulated. It's much harder to be controlled. And in the environment that we're in right now, like there's, there's no better time to start this, right? People ask me all the time, like, how are you so positive? Are you always happy like this? I'm like, no, like I cry every day. <laughs> I literally cry every day. Like I do. That's a
0: superpower, by the way. I do, but it's yeah. um,
1: sometimes it's because I'm so happy and I'm so grateful. And sometimes it's because I'm navigating through pain, like you were saying before, but my overall state, what I choose is gratitude and joy. And it's because of that consistency of choosing every single day to show up and come back to the breath and choose my thoughts and my beliefs and my truth. Right. And, um, it's so simple. It's so simple, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: but it's so like, sometimes the most simplistic things can yield you the most powerful results. Right. I do this in the morning before I get out of bed. I close my eyes, I connect to my breath and I do gratitude before I do anything. And it could just be like, I'm just so grateful for my bed or I'm grateful for my dog or I'm grateful for food because I love food, you know, just like stuff like that. And I think people see practitioners like you or people like Ram Dass or like these amazing gurus and they think they have to meditate for 30 hours a, a week or a day, which is impossible, but unless you believe that time doesn't exist. That's a topic for another day. But anyway, you know, my point is like it is it is that simple. Yeah. And you can access it at any time. Like We have this amazing gift of just being able to breathe.
0: Yeah. And your body is built this way. Yeah. And like, may yeah, I offer an upgrade? Please. 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 Right. <laughs> I was just told this recently by someone I love very much. Right when you wake up, mm-hmm. a lot of people do that. And I've been, been yeah. someone who's like, I'm grateful for this. Now I'm going to be grateful for that. If you just wake up and the first thing you do is... gratitude yeah it is no matter what you meet that day it mm. is starting from like thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you like yeah and it's it so even feels
1: fun. playful it right? is
0: and like and if you do that right whenever you wake up before you do anything before you do this meditation yeah. it's just like it activates that child in yourself that is just excited yeah and grateful yes and it doesn't matter if you don't do it every day yeah like, you can make like these little things here and there But ultimately your power is inconsistency and coming back to the present moment. Right, That's where we'll always be, never anywhere else. There's Mm going to be a future now. There was a past now. Now is now. I'm always tripped out by this idea of time. Not to change the subject,
1: but I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about this for, real quick because I joke about it with all my girlfriends. Like I I lived in California for a bit and I would drive to Arizona a lot. And the depending on the time of year, the time would change the minute you would cross over the border from Arizona to California. So I would time travel. I'm like, explain this to me, because my clock <laughs> literally just went either an hour in the future or an hour in the past. I'm like, tell me time travel isn't real. Yeah. But I um, I also lived with my best friend last year and her three-year-old, now soon to be five-year-old daughter. And kind of what you're saying about the thank you, thank you, thank you. And being in that childlike state is our natural state of joy. Like children are naturally just excited and happy all the time. And they're just pure love.
0: Yeah.
1: and And they don't learn all this other stuff until we project it upon them. Right. Mm-hmm. And so That experience for me was um, (laughs) really interesting because I was like, oh, this is my parents talking right now. Like I would say stuff to her and I'd be like, why would you say that? Like, where did that come from? But just witnessing her light was so powerful to like experience life through the eyes of a child and really witness that the way that she self-regulates and even watching babies breathe. Like it's all everything that you're saying, like it's, that's the wisdom And so as adults, we we think that children are not smart or they don't know what's best for their bodies. And yet they are the greatest teachers, I think, that we could learn from because they have the they have the original blueprint. Mm -hmm. They know they're in the they like they have the rules for the matrix. And we try and change it on them.
0: Yeah. And it's because we are so obsessed with validating our own positions. Yes. If if I somehow like, doubt where, where I'm coming from. Well, that means I doubt everything I do. And so, like, whenever you're in a position where people are putting judgment on you, they're judging you from the place that they need to be validated so badly mm. in what they're doing already to make sure that they're doing the right thing. And yeah. they just are wanting you to make sure that you don't, you're not doing it right. Right. If You're not doing it the way I'm doing it. it's not, doing not it. right. Yeah. I had a woman on my podcast,
1: her name's Jessica Scott, and she's a coach for alpha women to teach them how to bring more feminine warmth into their relationships and Beautiful. stuff like that. It's really amazing. And she was using this example, which like I, I've been there, and I think a lot of women have, of like her husband was cooking her dinner and he was chopping onions, and she like was like, "You're doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> like you're doing it wrong." And yeah. just like try, like emasculating him. It's like he he's he can chop onions, right? But it's because if it's not our way, it doesn't feel comfortable it doesn't feel right. And it and it actually like somebody else's process to whatever the outcome is can look completely different than yours. But if you're not comfortable with it, it, this need to control and this need for safety can come forward. And it kind of brings us full circle to exactly what's happening with this need to control and like your way of living or your way of being or your way of Practicing religion doesn't look like my way, so I'm going to come and force my opinions on you, and I'm going to take your land, and I'm going to cleanse you. And I mean, that's basically what's happening right now to these people who
0: are so tapped into the matrix.
1: It scares us, right?
0: Yeah, that's why I believe that we've been not we as like everybody, but just like these macrocosmic kind of forces have been mm-hmm. very adamant about destroying them. Yeah, you know, they're everything that you've ever been a part of has had some sort of like desire to control you to some degree, whether For it's religion sure. or politics or the educational system itself mm. is to, to prime you to be more obedient. And we are judged off of how obedient and like pleasant we are to be around. And <laughs> like, that's essentially what comes down to actually the definition of like of being crazy or not. It's like, there's, and, and I found this when I came back, as I was integrating, because it was so what was well, that like? It's I mean, you're still doing it. You're about to leave. Like, you're like, I'm out. <laughs> Bye. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this. Um, this is like a bigger question than you realize, but I'll bring it to where, like, we'll keep it within the time frame. But basically, I was having somewhat of a crisis when I was coming back because I had just been in the force for two months. I had just had my whole life shatter, like, so, like, powerfully, not just by medicines, but by my experience, because the forest made itself inside me. Mm -hmm. And coming back to the city of Manaus, which is where I fly in and out of, I was having like a spiritual crisis. Mm -hmm. I was overwhelmed. I was like, all the sounds were so chaotic and just like disharmonious that I reached out to this indigenous woman that I had met a few weeks prior. And I was like convinced I wasn't going to be able to get on my flight. I was like, so it was so stimulating. Yeah, it was just because so, my sensitivity right come back, you know, right. And so, within two hours of reaching out to her, a shaman showed up at my hostel, mm-hmm. which has just like highlighted how ridiculous my life has become. <laughs> it's just like I'm like in the courtyard of a hostel, like people are getting checked in on the other side of this wall, and like I'm over here sitting with an indigenous shaman who doesn't even speak portuguese he's speaking his language and he's got his assistant with him and he's speaking blessings into my water bottle Mm -hmm. he's speaking blessings into this tobacco blowing smoke all over me having me drink this water and that ceremony brought me uh, like a layer deeper back into this reality wow and coming back was so powerful because i went all over the country the past few weeks to take care of all my business and see all my friends and loved ones, and as I'm walking around, I just see what we've done. Yeah. We've domesticated everything, yeah, and um there is a level of gratitude that I have for just the clarity that I've gotten and people like ask, and like since they've spoken to me, like, oh my gosh, like the clarity you have, like I can't wait till I get that clarity, like, well, love, like I want that, and it's like, listen, clarity does not come a moment too soon. Too late. Right. Nothing comes too soon or too late. And with the example you provided, what do these people do that are stuck in their jobs? They have their families. You have more power than you think. You are the master of your reality. And there have been forces in your life that have been wanting to prevent you from knowing that. Mm. And there are systems, there are practices that are geared for amplifying the realization of how powerful you are. And if there's anything I can do, it is to empower others to remember their innate capacity to heal, to reclaim what's theirs, their sovereignty, and to recognize that they are human and they're here to learn. So if we have the curriculum, we might as well take it and we might as well be grateful while we're at it. And so as we're going through this process of walking each other home, as Ron Ross would say, Mm -hmm. um, we have the opportunity to just recognize that we have been misled there is an opportunity to reclaim what's ours. And honestly, the future is about to shift pretty drastically. This is not just this, like, return to normal. I think people forgot, like, right. what happened after 9-11. Right. It has never been the same, right. you know? And I'm not saying that in a doomsday way. I'm saying that as, in, like, we have an opportunity to shift this very malleable reality that we live in. Because nice. the most shocking thing to me, which I, for whatever reason, didn't pay attention to, was that everything's always changing. And we say that, but we don't realize what that implies. That means that reality is very malleable. Oh, yeah. It is shifting and shaping all the time, and it is waiting for stimulus to like suggest it to go a certain way or direction. Right. So why not you hone yourself into a master at sending and receiving signals? Mm. That's what yoga is. It's Mm. the practice of making shapes, changing your geometry and embodying different energetic capacities to be able to amplify your ability to send out a signal of pure intention to see that come back to yourself like a boomerang Mm. and the more you do it the crazier it is because then you (laughs) realize how good you are at and then you get very careful about what your thoughts and your words are because you realize anything you speak say think or do is imbuing this essence into the universe that is saying i want more of this and then it's going to give you more of that right if you're geared to complain and, and cast judgment and do those things you're going to get that back even more so right so shift what you're sending out find a way to tune back into that single pure presence and gratitude
1: mm-hmm. and you'll
0: watch your whole life change and that comes all the way back to the inner and the outer
1: it's so true yeah, yeah. even and you can start to see it like to go back to what you said about waking up and the breath work, I mean, it happens at such a, um, small level, but like, if you do that and you start having that awareness, like so much can change in such a short period of time. And, and on the other side of that, like what you said about how malleable our reality is, like, look at the past 12 months, Mm -hmm. how quickly you can conform and manipulate or, Mm -hmm. you know, shape a new reality. It's mind-blowingly amazing and also somewhat terrifying all at the same time
0: (laughs) can I offer yeah like and this is just coming from my own experience it's like I encourage everyone to celebrate the women in their life way more Mm. because I genuinely believe that your superpower is that you can cry because I couldn't cry for a long time and it's still something that I'm coming back to and it's funny because when I got back one of my friends I was talking to her I'm like listen, like, I'm crying and I don't know why and, like, this is really scary to me. She's like, oh, you mean, like, what I do every day? And I'm (laughs) just like, you feel this every day. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes I just cry for no reason. No, but, like, feeling is a superpower. And there has been a over-dominance of just imposed, like, toxic masculinity on the Mm. world. And, like, that's why we are seeing this shift towards the goddess, if you will. Mm -hmm. And, like, um, I just greatly am I'm very impressed with how powerfully women are stepping up now because they have the opportunity to, like, help us reclaim our balance. Yes. And I'm not here to man shame or anyone shame. It's just, like, we need to come back to balance. Yes. Within ourselves, within the world, within the structures of our society. Yes. Everyone has something to contribute. Yes. So there's an opportunity to remember that.
1: And there's a toxic feminine that raised a toxic masculine, right? Mm-hmm. So there's <clears throat> counterparts to both, sure. right? The pendulum doesn't swing without momentum, yeah. right? And so the our work as the divine feminine is to heal that part of us that feels as though we need to show up in a toxic way or in a controlling way or a protective way because of the ways that maybe we've been reacting to toxic, toxic masculine, right? So part of that work of healing the divine feminine is creating a space for the divine masculine to come forward and be vulnerable and be held and not be judged and to be seen. And so, yeah, I mean, it's everyone's responsibility to do their own work to your point earlier, right? So that we can first create that safety within ourselves and return back to our truth. Like you so beautifully shared about being in the womb of safety and love, and then invite people into that like I was talking about earlier, being in that frequency of love and then inviting people in and showing them you're safe here. You know, I think that I say this all the time, like vulnerability is the pathway to connection, right? But in order to be open to being vulnerable, you have to create that sense of safety within yourself. How do you do that? You come back to the breath, you come back into your body and you start to recognize like, okay, these are paradigms that I can choose to subscribe to or not to subscribe to. Right. And so it all comes full circle of like, what are you choosing and where are you giving away your power? Right. So I love that you, I love that you shared that. I agree with you. It's one of my missions in this world Mm -hmm. is to help women to see their full potential and to, to, you know, remove those blocks and create that space for themselves. So that the, I mean, the ripple effect, right. I was flying home from Arizona a couple weekends ago and I watched that movie Avatar. I love that movie. Oh yeah. And it just, I mean, like if we could sum up our podcast in a movie, it would probably be that, right? And it's, yeah. I encourage people to watch that. I want to watch The Matrix again too. I haven't watched that in years, but like both of those movies are so insightful to, you know, the things that we're, that we're talking about for those that are maybe feeling called to go deeper into the jungle, connect with these indigenous people, open themselves up. I know you have these retreats that you're hosting can you share a little bit more about what it is who it's for and how to
0: get involved yeah oh thank you uh, so I created an organization called Vishva Shanti retreats Vishva Shanti means world peace because mm-hmm. our slogan is inner peace world peace yes. so full circle and our efforts are to work with always the indigenous people in that region and we bring it through through the lens of the practices that are meant to bring you back to yourself, which is doing yoga, meditation, and immersion into an environment and culture. Right now, we're based in the Amazon rainforest in Brazil, but we are looking to expand to work with other indigenous populations around the world Mm. that are inviting us in, which there are other connections I've made, so that will come at some point. Um, The retreat experience is this. You, we have a six-month container, roughly, that we create before the retreat even begins. Wow. And so this is the thing. I don't want you to think that you have to go on a retreat to change your life. I want you to have the opportunity to be supported by a community of people that are so dedicated that they are willing to commence a process that at the very end of this six-month journey, the end result is they get to go deeper mm-hmm. by going to the rainforest to support themselves. So we have writing prompts leading up to that retreat that are deep, like going into each energetic center, each facet of yourself. And you write that from the place that you're at now. So that way, whenever we're in the Amazon sharing these things together, you can even see how you disagree with how you wrote it, Mm -hmm. being in a space from that. We give you a six month goal to accomplish before you arrive in the Amazon. So that way we can celebrate something together. Mm -hmm. And that you can see that the change happens in your day-to-day life. And that the momentum that you'll have after that experience six months is a lot. Yeah, you know, it's roughly I don't even know 120 days or so. So you have all that time to build up new habits. We take you to the rainforest every single day. We are cycling you back into the natural cycles of life. We Mm -hmm. wake up with the sunrise. We do yoga that is geared towards each chakra every day for seven days in that time frame. The retreat is longer, but. For the earth day we connect you to the root chakra mm-hmm. that deals with ancestral healing and connecting back to your lineage and that writing prompt supports that and then we have an activity of that day that immerses you in the element of the earth mm-hmm. so we have a guided hike that's a walking meditation through the rainforest as our indigenous guides educate you on all the fauna the wildlife and we go into our garden out there that is the most highly evolved agroforestry program in south america at this point from what i know and we educate you on sustainable agriculture. And then the next day, it's the water element, do the same thing with the practice and that, and then we bring you to the waterfalls and we have a sacred ceremony. We reconnect to the, the sacredness of water. Wow. The next day is the fire element. We go on an overnight hike and camp out in the rainforest with our indigenous guides and have a sacred fire ceremony. The next day is the air element and we climb trees, 150 foot tall trees to be able to reconnect to your heart Mm -hmm. and feel the spaciousness of what actually exists there. So every day you're reconnecting to these elements, as I spoke to you before, the impactfulness of elemental connection. We have the practices that are systematically building you up to a kundalini experience where we bring it all together, Mm -hmm. understanding how we can activate each chakra to bring it back into a holistic experience. And then you're having philosophical discussions that are bringing you into awareness of the deepest parts of your ideologies to recognize what the axioms are that we've built our life on axioms are things that we have assumed in order to build. You have to assume that you can count in order to do mathematics, but we're assuming that. And we all have axioms that we've built up lives on. Like some of them are really useful and some of them are not.
1: So <laughs> right. we identify
0: that. And throughout that whole process, you've been surrounded by community. You stay in community. Community is what we've lacked because we've become so individualistic in our lives mm-hmm. and the way that our society is geared that you forget that there are support systems sharing circles to tell you like say how you feel in front of people and not just be like dismissed because it's too much right you know right so we have all these opportunities and by the end of the retreat like i said we plant a tree we're building a gigantic mandala out there with all the trees that we're planting and you get to stay with families out in the rainforest you get to camp out you get to do all the things and it's comfortable and the food is better than anything you've ever seen oh man it's grown on property we catch everything that's local beautiful it's powerful and i look forward to whoever receives this invitation their song reaches out because we have another retreat in july that we are just booking now because we sold out our last one so it's getting ready to wow. go mm. and also, this is
1: so beautiful like mm. and just the way you're sharing it i'm like wow this is you i can feel how much like love and intention intentional like love is poured into every <laughs> single detail, right? Like yeah. there's retreats. And then this, is, this isn't like even a retreat. This is like a yeah. life-shifting container that you're creating
0: mm-hmm. for people to step into. Exactly. And I created a system called Kara Yoga, which mm-hmm. is an infusion of the chiropractic wellness principles of rehabilitation and healing and mobility and amplified by the practices that I learned through my studies in the Himalayas and in India and through Bali. And so it's a holistic system that I've created to help bring you back to a place of maximizing the optimal healing state that you have so there's a lot to come i'm launching a website blah blah blah, but really i'll be in the rainforest for the (laughs) foreseeable future and we'll see what happens next Mm -hmm. i'll be happy to catch up with you on the other side of this
1: yes i love thank you for being here i love that we were able to have this conversation and it's an honor to be able to share your message on my platform. Cause I know a lot of people listening probably have never heard a story like this mm-hmm. or even have thought about <clears throat> these types of things. But I know um, this community is so focused on evolution and taking bold action and being courageous in every area of their life. And so if you are somebody listening, who's feeling called to this, we'll link everything in the show notes. And I just would invite you into that. If there's like an inkling or a tingling or something that's calling you in the direction, like just explore it. Cause like you just never know what will happen when you take that path, right? Like you did and and walk away from the things that feel safe and comfortable and follow what feels natural and intuitive. So thank you. Last question. What are you celebrating?
0: I'm celebrating this moment right now. I'm celebrating the fact that I'm taking charge my life you know I'm rewilding I'm decolonizing I'm coming back to myself Mm. so I'm grateful always that's a lot
1: to celebrate I love that thank you so much if you guys love this episode which I know you will please share it uh, with someone you think needs to hear it and until the next episode live your boldly courageous life bye guys (laughs) Thank you so much for living your boldly courageous life with me today. I am beyond grateful for you and this amazing community we are building together. It's truly my mission to get this message out into the world and empower others to step fully into the life they've always dreamed of.